The eventual expectation is that we're going to build a generational contender. We're going to eventually have a team that is competing for championships. I can't, I can't promise when that'll be, but there's, there's no excuse for the lone NBA team in Washington, D.C. not to be a perennial contender or at least be pursuing championships. And so that's the goal. As Michael Winger with some pretty high expectations for the Washington Wizards, and uh, certainly we have some high expectations for this edition of the DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork, fresh off the trade machine, looking for a better deal than the one the Wizards got for Bradley Beal, alongside our GM, George Wallace, and of course, our special guest, uh, David Aldridge of The Athletic, a man so renowned that Eric Bienmi stopped in the middle of his own press conference to acknowledge the man himself. You thought we didn't see that, D.A., but we saw it. Uh, my reputation precedes me again. Uh, <laughs> well, it's great to have you on. It's great to have you on, man. We're uh, huddling up with the uh, blockbuster trade that sends uh, Bradley Beal, at least in principle, to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Wizards getting back a package of second-round picks, Landry Shamit, and maybe... Maybe kind of, Chris Paul. Let's start with you, D.A. Um, What do you think of the trade, and what does it mean for the Wizards draft uh, going into Thursday night with the eighth overall pick? Well, you know, it was a a necessary step. It was was obviously a painful step because they didn't get much of anything for their best player, the three-time All-Star, and guys that they tried to build – their franchise around the return was horrendous um, <laughs> yeah. all candor. but they had to do it I mean it was a deal that they had to do I mean I think this this new group that came in under with Michael Winger and Will Dawkins and Travis Schlenk they they understood the assignment um, the assignment is you've got to blow this thing up I mean you can't you have to get past incrementalism and trying to sneak into the playoffs and maybe we'll get hot and that sort of thing. You, know, you want to try to build a, a championship organization, you have to kind of do it. There's very few ways you can do it, um, especially if you're a franchise that hasn't been very successful. But the most, the easiest way or the easiest way, the, the, the one that gives you the best opportunities at success is to have multiple years with multiple draft picks retake multiple shots at, at bringing in that guy and finding that guy that can be the next great young player in the league. I mean, all the teams that are in the playoffs that were in the playoffs this year all had variations on that theme. I mean, if you look at Sacramento, they had to be in the lottery a few times to get De'Aaron Fox, to get Keegan Murray, to get uh, some of the players that they were able to get that also allowed them to trade for – DeMontis Sabonis. You know, they had to draft Halliburton to get Sabonis, you know, so they'll look at Memphis and look at some of the other teams that had, you know, that were in the playoffs and in the postseason. Everybody has to do it. Boston had to do it. But, you know, the, one of the two greatest franchises in the history of the league, they had to be really bad to get the third pick to get Jason Tatum. They had yeah. to be really bad to get the third pick to get Jalen Brown. Like, you have to be really bad to get those those types of players no secret to this and so the wizards are going to have to be really bad once or twice in the next few years to have an opportunity to get a player of that caliber here so they're not going to tank that would be a strong word right i mean they're just going to take their lumps for a while and and here's the thing when when you're dealing with a franchise trying to come up and return to championship 
uh, expect or championship heights. You have to be real about mm-hmm. who you are. And it feels like for many years, the Wizards have not been real about who they are. They always felt like they were a piece away. They were a piece away. They're always buyers at the trade deadline instead of selling off assets. Now it seems like mm-hmm. this this new structure, and maybe I can get your thoughts on how you, uh, what you think of these guys that they just hired, uh, You know, this new brain trust mm-hmm. in this front office. Um, these guys, at a minimum, are coming in and saying, yeah, we're not a piece or two away. We need to blow this thing up, and we need to start over. That is definitely the uh, the thought process of this new group. They're, they they have, you know, it, it's good sometimes to get a view from outside the organization. I think mm-hmm. um, the Wizards have had have been insular for the last two decades uh, in terms of their management and their leadership, uh, and this is a group that is coming kind of cold eyed and sober about what this franchise is and what it needs to be and where it needs to go and um, it's it it needs to it needs to be blown up you know you have to start over um and with that in mind are these the right would would you say these are the right guys to usher that in and uh in and i guess if we even go out a little bit and say wes unsell jr is he the right guy to you know to take a team from the foundation and build it up into a contender I actually think that the best version of Wes Unseld is with a younger team. I've yeah. always believed that. Um, I think his his strength is relationships and developing players at the beginning of their career. You know, Jokic has certainly spoken publicly about how Wes has helped him, helped him become the player that he is now. And so I think Wes would do better with a younger team. That's that's learning, and that has to you, you can put a system in place that they're not going to, you know, stray out of because they were successful doing it another way. You know what I mean? So that doesn't mean that this group may not want another coach in here in a year or two because that's what teams tend to do when they bring new GMs or team presidents in. They want to hire their own people, right? That that they are comfortable with or that they know. But you asked about Wes, and I think that this this would be better for Wes going forward, having a younger team. And David, you, you, you and I was thinking back to a conversation we had out at OTAs a couple weeks ago, and you were saying the same thing about Wes. And then, you know, I was asking about Ted a little bit. And regardless of what happened with the Tommy Shepard situation and the Bradley Beal contract, you, you know, whatever, whoever came up with it, whoever did it, Ted had to sign off for it. And he gets $250 million deal, no trade clause. And guys, you know, the, 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 everybody, the fans that are just crying about what the Wizards got in return for this trade. But this is a situation, right, where it, it doesn't matter what they get in return. The fact is, you had to get Bradley Beal off your books, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what you're getting back in this. Because of the contract, there was very limited options here, right? Well, I think multiple things can be true. Yes, they, they did need to get the contract off their books to have a chance to rebuild the way that I think everybody thinks they should rebuild. Having said that, they didn't get very much for him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so you could, you can trade him and still get something better than what they got. They, they had, they felt like this was the best offer they could get because of the no trade clause that Bradley had that they gave him. Right. Um, You know, so they're kind of having to clean up their own mess that they created. And it's not pretty, but you're right. The bottom line is they got his contract off the books. They now have some flexibility going forward where they'll be able to absorb some contracts from other teams. 
Well, the way this almost always works is if a team is trying to get rid of a contract, they have to give you a pick to go with that contract. Yeah. You know, they have to attach a pick to it. And so I'm sure that the game plan is, all right, well, if the Wizards are 30, 40 million under their cap in the next couple of years, they're going to take on a couple of bad contracts of veteran players, and those teams are going to have to attach future first-round picks to them. And that's how you build up your, your war chest of picks and your war, you know, so that you have three picks in the first round right. in a couple of years, like Oklahoma City, or you have, I can't even remember how many future firsts Oklahoma City still is, is owed somewhere in the teens, you know, and that makes, that gives you the opportunity to kind of set the, the bar about making trades and things like that. And it also gives you multiple chances to draft what you hope is franchise level talent. So that's the play. I think that they will be a conduit for the next couple of years and amass as many draft picks as they possibly can. Um, and hope that they draft in a year where they're high and there's a player worth taking. That's the other thing. Like, you have it. There's it's it's one thing to have the first pick, but it, if there's nobody great to take, you take Anthony Bennett. You know what I mean? Like there's you wind up doing or that. Kwame so Brown. Be, well, Kwame was better than people. Grip play ten years. No, but day, so. but it's like looking back at that draft. I mean, there there wasn't a transcendent franchise altering talent available in that draft. I think the best possible pick no, they could have well, made in that draft was Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol was the best player yeah. in that draft. Pau Gasol yeah. was. Player in a draft. The second best player was Shane Battier. Yeah. Um, so they had good, you know, they had, but they weren't going to take those guys at, at that time. They just weren't they right. were a different era. Right. <laughs> but again, the point is is valid that right. While I think Kwame was better than people think, he was not a generational talent. That's right. No. That's yeah. Both say. things. Yeah. Both but things can be true. Absolutely. So with that in mind. Yeah. What what do you think the pick is at number eight? You're probably not getting somebody who's going to change the face of the franchise. And actually, did you know that there is a curse attached to the eighth overall pick? I didn't know that. So, I, I, so I was reading about this. The, the, the Ringer did a whole article about how the eighth overall pick has been just like this wasteland in the draft. There hasn't been an all-star selected eighth overall in the NBA draft since Vin Baker, 1994. Mm. And if you go back to the when the draft lottery was instituted, uh, what was it, 85? Two. At the eighth De- pick? At the eighth wow. pick. Detlef Shrimp. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, I, I giggle just saying his name. Detlef Shrimp and Vin Baker. Those are the only two all-stars. All-stars. I'm not talking about Hall of Fame. All-stars have been selected at eighth overall in the last... 35, well, now that you're bringing years. the mood down, this is supposed to be a relaunch, a, re, a re, new energy for this fr- franchise. No, but it just goes to say, but but it just goes to show, yeah. like within those top five picks, that's where you get your you know groundbreaking talent, and then you can get lucky with some guys later in the first round. But like that eight, nine, ten range, which is parenthetically where the Wizards tend to pick all the time, you're not getting yeah. impact players. So, do we think yeah. they can? Is is there a guy that maybe bucks that trend at number eight? This year, one of the Thompson brothers. Well, neither one of them will be there at eight. Um, <laughs> I don't think so either. I would point out Paul Pierce went with the tenth pick. Karan Butler went with the tenth pick. Yeah, so things can be true until they're not true anymore. That's, <laughs> that's how I look at stories like that. <laughs> you know, yeah, the eighth pick's been terrible until we pick Giannis and Takupo. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so, so okay, look, I think that they have a possibility of taking some good players. I think a lot of people have 
kind of aligned the Wizards with Anthony Black, the guard out of Arkansas. He certainly has significant upside as a switchable, defensive, very good passing, very smart point guard, something that the Wizards, they have not had that type of athletic switchable guy for a very long time in large numbers. You know, the NBA is, that's the league now. That The more of those guys you have, the better chance you have. Denver has the transcendent player in Nikola Jokic. But they didn't win anything until they brought in Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and guys that could switch on the wing and, and defend a little better. And so the Wizards they really don't have anybody on their roster right now who does that. So a guy like Anthony Black would be a good start toward you know, a rebuild in terms of what you're trying to do. Um, certainly Taylor Hendricks, who's the freshman out of uh, Central Florida, uh, projects to be a 3-and-D type guy at 6'9", 6'10", um, shoots threes at a high clip, but also led his conference in block shots. That's an interesting combination of skills that you don't normally see, right? Um, so this is a guy that, that's very comfortable shooting outside, but is also very comfortable protecting the rim. So that's, that's intriguing. Um, that's the type of player that I think could be there at eight as well. Uh, Jerace Walker is a forward out of Houston, um, 6'9", 245-ish, um, has the potential to be a very good defensive wing player. Offense is not there yet. It's coming, but it's not there yet. Um, more of a long-term play, I think, for, for this team anyway. Um, so those are the types of guys that I think could be there at that eight range. I don't think Whit, I, I think Cam Whitmore is going to be gone um, by, by then. I, I think both of the Thompsons will be gone, although I suppose a Sir could be there. Um, he could be there. Amon's definitely, definitely going to be gone, I think, by eight. Um, but there'll be good players. There'll be good players that they could take at eight. Okay. Uh, just w- one quick follow-up for me. I've read that just Black's shooting may not be what you're looking for at the NBA level from a guard anyway. Is there any concern about his uh, uh, Black? Uh, his, yeah, yeah. His, I mean, do, do, does he have the shooting? Does he have the range to, you know, be that playmaking guard in the NBA? The shooting is the concern. Yeah. Um, it is not where it needs to be. But, again, I think that's the type of thing that really kind of gets overrated um, with regard to guys coming in out of the league. When they come to the NBA, their job is to be a professional basketball player. That is all that they do. They do not have to worry about classes anymore. They don't have to worry about roommates anymore. All they have to worry about is becoming the best basketball player they can be. Guys get better shooting the basketball if they put in the work. Jason Kidd's nickname was Asen when he came into the NBA <laughs> because he had no J. Yeah, I remember and he that. wound up being he wound up making more three pointers than anybody in the history of the game. So you you get better. You get better at it. If you just work at it. You just have to work at it. And Anthony Black, by all accounts, a hardworking kid, he will get better at it. Um, will he become prolific? I don't know, but I think he will become good enough that you're not going to be able to go under every screen, which is what the, the you know, the MO on him is now is just go under because he can't shoot. Um, but he'll, he will get better at that and become credible. I think shooting the basketball. DA, uh, did you want to get, let's, let's ask him the question because my segue here is we, you know, the Nuggets just won a championship. Stan Kroenke's the owner of that team. He's the owner of actually three other champions over the course of the last year and a half. And so watching that, 
calls to mind a guy who's also going to be in that situation shortly, we think. Josh mm-hmm. Harris taking over as uh, owner of the Commanders imminently uh, within the next month or two, we believe. And so this guy takes over. He obviously owns the New Jersey Devils, a team that made the playoffs for the first time in a long time, but you know, plausibly could make a run. Uh, the 76ers have been frustratingly on the cusp of a championship and haven't quite jumped that yet. But do we think that he could be the next owner to clutch multiple trophies in a short span of time? Is there anything, I guess we should frame it this way, is there anything about him that we don't, that makes us think that he's not that guy? Well, I mean, that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to expect any owner or any entity, no matter how dedicated they are, to have the kind of run that Stan Kroenke's just been on. I mean, you know, right. you don't you normally win a Super Bowl <laughs> and a Stanford Cup and be back to back. It doesn't usually happen. So, so my guess, my answer would be probably not. Yeah. Um, I, doubt, I probably won't have Josh Harris, but not because of any failings of his, just because it's really hard to do that in, right. in a short period of time. So, or, or even if he does it over the span of like 10 or 15 years, I mean. I mean, you know, again, I don't, you know, I, I think there's variance in, in all sports. Certainly hockey doesn't seem to fit any particular pattern. So I could not say with any certainty, nor am I, am I an expert on hockey, whether mm-hmm. the Devils are going to win a, a cup in the next few years. I think a lot of things in hockey, it seems like there's a lot of luck involved. And, right. you know, but I, I don't know. The 76ers, as you said, have been right there. Yeah. The problem's been that their best player's been hurt every year in the playoffs the last four years. Like, you can't – it's very difficult to win a, a championship when your best player's not 100% um, going into the playoffs or, or during the playoffs. Um, and they've just not played well kind of oddly in different iterations over the last years with different coaches. So it's not like, well, they get rid of this coach and it'll be fine – they did the same. They they played the same kind of weird way with another coach, you know. Like so, I don't know. Um, you know, certainly the Commanders, I think, are are in a position where if they get nominally good quarterback play, they could certainly take a step up. Yeah, I certainly believe their defense is built to be a dominant type of defense. You know, the the investments they've made in draft picks over the last few years. And, keeping their core guys around and signed up. Uh, the offense certainly has a bunch of playmakers on it now. The, the issue has been the offensive line and the quarterback play, and, and they, you know, addressed the offensive line to a certain degree, and they gave Sam Howell the job, and we'll see if he can, if he's up to it. And, if again, I'm not expecting him to be Mahomes, but if he's just a mid-level, you know, top 15 quarterback in right. the NFL, I think this branch takes a big step up. Um, but does that mean they win a Super Bowl in the next year or two? Uh, you know, probably not. But, you know, they certainly should be better going forward than they've been in the last 10, 15 years. No, agreed. And the thing that gives me pause, and I've said this on this show before, everything that has to go into owning the Washington Commanders moving forward in the aftermath of what was the disastrous Dan Snyder era, that quarter century of what that was, you know, reclusive behavior, bad behavior, uh, the uh, horrible uh, working conditions that they had there. The next Mm -hmm. owner has to come in and there's going to be almost a higher responsibility for at least those first couple of years where 
basically you're demonstrating for us that you're not the last guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going mm-hmm. in and it's like you have to be present at a level that maybe you wouldn't be otherwise. You have to be available. You have to be transparent at a level that a lot of owners either don't want to or don't have to. And it's just like in order to reconnect this franchise with the city that it's supposed to represent, uh, in order to mend fences with the district, especially if you want to put a a new state-of-the-art stadium in the district, you're going to need to you know, play that game a little bit. So for him, when you have two other franchises that you're running, I don't know that you can do that and still be present at the level that you need to be for a franchise that really needs a strong steward to usher it into this next era. I mean, again, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in that inherent in that question. Um, Look, he just has to not be Dan Snyder. I mean, I think that takes <laughs> care of 85. I mean, I'm not being flipped on this. No, 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 I get just it. Don't, the minimum is to treat your employees well and not create a toxic work environment. I mean, right. I think that solves a lot of the PR issues with this franchise, right? I mean, it all comes back to this has been a terrible place to work, and it's been a terrible team to root for for a very long time. Well, I think the football part of it is getting better. I I think any charitable or fair assessment would say they are, they have a better football team now than they did when Ron Rivera took over. I mean, I think I I don't know how you could come to a conclusion other than that. Maybe, you know, maybe someone can, but I, I wouldn't. Um, But what Josh Harris has to do is be a good citizen in in the community that he is coming back to because he's from here. Um, he has to not embarrass the city he had, with his decisions and his behavior and with how he runs his football team. And all I can go by, I don't, again, I don't know anything about hockey. I, what I know is what I'm good at is basketball. I know people in basketball and I know people that have worked with and for Josh Harris. And they all say that he's incredibly hardworking and he's incredibly demanding, but what he's not, is a bad human being, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so if that is the ethos he's going to bring to the commanders, I think they will be fine. I don't think he has to have a press conference every week like Jerry Jones. Well, no. um, I don't think most people care about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going way the other way. <laughs> I think they just want to root for their team without cringing. That's all. <laughs> like, right, that's, right. Is that too much to ask? It's like, is that too much to ask? <laughs> uh, that's a fairly low just don't bring disgrace to the community. Yeah. You know, like from that standpoint, he will be fine. Look, I hope he talks all the time, but my history with people who own is that they're not available a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I when I first started covering this football team back before most of you were born, Jack Kent Cook talked to the Washington Post twice a year. That was his rule. I will talk to the Post twice a year about whatever it is they want to ask me. Um, and that was kind of, those were kind of the ground rules, yeah. and we yeah. all lived with it. We didn't like it, but those were the rules. That's what he wanted. So, I you know, I hope Josh Harris talks to us more than twice a year. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I, I would love it if he would just give an interview to us at WTOP and to David Aldridge at The Athletic. I mean, that's not too much to ask, I don't think. 
uh da hey man appreciate your time this was great getting you on and uh, hopefully we can do this again once we we know more about what the wizard's direction is right now a lot in flux so uh hopefully we can get you in when we can uh plot a course for these guys absolutely my pleasure and thanks for having me guys thanks david all right until the next time breaking the huddle